0: These days, everybody's looking for ways to make healthier choices. That's why Walmart's having a special event this Saturday, October 11th, called Your Passport to Healthier Living. They'll have free blood pressure and glucose screenings, and you'll be able to get low-cost immunizations, which may be covered by your insurance. Plus, they'll have in-store demos of products and foods for healthier living. Visit walmart.com slash healthcare to see participating stores in your area and get Your Passport to Healthier Living this Saturday. At Walmart, healthcare begins here blog talk radio welcome to revolution radio and amy montgomery ministries bringing to you a new christian generation not defined by age but identified by purpose they are holding nothing back and making an impact for the kingdom of god like never before Be prepared to call in and chat with Amy and her very special guest right here on blogtalkradio.com. With no more further ado, please welcome your host, Amy Montgomery. October 7th, 2014. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, coming to you live from Dallas, Texas. I'm so glad that you have decided to join in tonight, and I'm happy to be broadcasting once again every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And tonight, I'm excited to introduce uh, once again uh, Adam Levecki. He is author, evangelist, and missionary to the sick and the poor. He and his wife travel extensively ministering life to people around the world through the word and music, and tonight we're going to be talking about hope, hope in a world full of hopelessness, and I trust that it's going to bless you. Adam, welcome back to the show. It's been a pleasure to have you on tonight.
1: It's so good to be with you. I'm excited to be with you, and uh, I love what you do, reaching out to people via Blog Talk Radio and just going after people and loving on people and giving them an opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, I feel honored to be with you and happy to be a part of what God is doing tonight through the airwaves
0: Well, thank you And, you know, we were just talking about before we went on live That uh, it's been, I guess, about a year since I have I, I did my last broadcast Because I moved down to Dallas and it's been a while So um, it, it's amazing how time flies But, you know, I think that I was since I've been doing it for five years prior to that um, so many people have just stayed faithful and um, and li- keep, keep listening, and it's exciting.
1: That's wild. Well, it's exciting that God brought you down to Texas because we know everything is bigger in Texas, so God is going to grow your ministry <laughs> <Amen>. down
0: there. <laughs> Amen. I received that. <laughs> and the bugs are definitely bigger here. <laughs> I will see that. So, um now Adam, we were talking about, you know, a little bit of what we want to what you want to discuss tonight. And and I know that just just like myself, you read the headlines, um just as everyone else does, that things that are happening in the world and um you know, there's so much so many reasons for us to be fearful or hopeless and and I think sometimes even as Christians, if we're not careful, um, with our focus and, and such, we can allow fear to come in and control us. And but I want to ask you tonight, what you believe that God is saying to us in this hour, and with some of these things that we're facing. Sure.
1: Well, um, it, to be to be to be honest, I mean, as as you mentioned, the headlines are crazy, and it looks like the the world is spinning off its axis. Is that and. and um, yeah, so that is, that is in one sense, the facts. Um, we are 24-7 bombarded with fear and bombarded with hopelessness, which makes us uh, feel powerless. And um, when you feel powerless, it's really because you feel hopeless. And when we feel hopeful, we feel powerful. And what I know is that the enemy tries to intimidate us, to make us feel hopeless and powerless in fear, Is something that we have to just totally reject. We have to reject uh, the voice of fear in our life. And it's not something that we reject once. It's something that we have to reject every day. I would say it's like a one-time decision, but an everyday choice. And, you know, it's very real. And I think that there's a practical side to dealing with the fear that comes up because some of it is very legit. I mean, I live... 4.5 Uh, 4.5 miles from New York City. God forbid New York City were to be bombed or something. Um, that would really affect my life because I'm only 4.5 miles from the George Washington Bridge. And in fact, tomorrow morning I'm going to pick up a Brazilian friend of mine uh, at JFK Airport. So I mean, um, you know, this 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 ISIS crisis and the things that are happening in the world today, they're very real, and um, and so to ignore them is foolish, and to focus on them is equally foolish. And here's what I know, Amy. I, I recently spoke to a pastor friend of mine, and he's a man who ministers in Pakistan. He's a Pakistani. He has a church, and um, he's a respected and honorable man. And he was in Alaska preaching, and I had we, we, we touched base there uh, on the phone, and I sent him, Pastor Khalid. Uh, have you seen what's happening in, in uh, Iraq right now? And he goes, no, I haven't had a chance to watch the news. You know, I've been busy preaching. And I said, well, you know, they're killing uh, Christians and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, he obviously he was saddened by that. But he said something to me, Amy, that I'll never, ever forget for the rest of my life. This is what he said. He said, danger is real. Fear is a choice. That's good. And, and I, I realized that now this is a man who ministers, uh, in Fassalbad, Pakistan. And, uh, that is a very volatile place and Christians are martyred and they have blasphemy laws that would cause Christians to be put to death. Um, so this is not theory that this man is talking about. This is real life. And, um, I think that we should let those words see you know, very deep into our soul that danger is real, but fear is a choice. And so our job in faith is to reject fear, yet acknowledge the danger, be alert, be aware, understand the times and seasons, be ready to give an account of why we have hope in, in times where other people may feel crippled or powerless and and really be able to share that hope. But to have the hope you've got to share the, I mean, to be able to rather share the hope, you have to have it first. So uh, that's the issue. Um, but I think that there's, there's a very real and practical thing that we can do. Cause you know, when we talk about deep world issues and all these crazy systemic problems, people are like, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm trying to pay my bills or I have a child who's backslidden and, you know, and so we, we as people have like these very simple problems on top of the the bigger problems that are out in the world today. And for me, there's just one scripture that David wrote, and he wrote it during a crazy time in his life where um, it was when he, it's in Psalm 34, verse 4, but David, he pretended to act like a madman so that he could escape from Abimelech. And so David uses a little emotional intelligence here. He acts like a maniac, berserk, and then they just let him go, and he runs away as this crazy man. And then after he did that, he wrote a song, and he said in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. And so I would say, Amy, that if people are struggling with fear, to bring that fear to the feet of Jesus and to say Jesus you know I am honestly and genuinely afraid and what's great is that our fear our fear doesn't scare God and so we can come to God with our fear our struggle our pain our disappointment whatever it is that is weighing us down and we can release that to him and there is a great exchange. He does give beauty for ashes, and we can come with our brokenness and our inadequacies and, and the things that, you know, weigh us down, and we can give that to him, and we can get it off of our, our back. And I think that the only way to really deal with fear is to deal with it, not to ignore it. And so that that's just something that I would say to, to folks who are, saying you know i'm i'm struggling with that in the midst of these world situations
0: amen and you know one of the scriptures that just the lord put on my heart um this evening was um was um romans 8:28 that says and we know that all things um god works for good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose and, um, you know, and it goes on about how God predestined us to be formed into his, the likeness of his Son. And and I think that, uh, you know, it's so easy to be consumed by that fear instead of realizing, oh, wow, the enemy wants me to fear, and my fear might be real, but God has promised to use this for my good.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've got to also understand that... that You you know, there's different types of fear. But here's the thing that believers, we've got to realize, is that we don't have a spirit of fear as believers. It doesn't mean fear doesn't attack us. It doesn't mean that that spirit doesn't uh, speak to us. It means that we do not live with a predisposition of fear meaning when we look at things it's more natural for the believer to have faith in the midst of crisis in the midst of problems than it is for us to have fear so when we feel the fear it's actually a temptation and it's something to be rejected and sometimes we we try to own the fear as if it's ours but it's not and so i think that if you see it as a temptation or if you see it as something that is trying to come in from the outside, it's easier to reject, and also then you don't get into the whole guilt and shame of oh i'm I'm so afraid i'm I'm so this because the reality is that in that in Christ Jesus we're a new creation, and the new creation is not afraid of anything so Amen. when when we begin to discover some of the simple truths, now our emotions don't don't always feel like a new creation. Our physical body gets tired, you know, we have our own our own weaknesses and stuff like that. But the spirit inside of us is a new creation. We've been made new. We're, we're born again, you know, we're seated with Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have a new heart. And so we have a new operating system, which means we feel, see, and perceive things differently. That's not to say we don't get tempted. It's just to say that that temptation doesn't proceed from us, but it comes from the enemy. Amen. So, yeah. So it's I feel like it's easier to resist temptation when you're not feeling like you're the. It's your fault that that thought or those feelings are coming at you, because when you have guilt and then shame in the midst of temptation, it's it's even it's even a greater weight. But when you're able to say no, this is not coming from me. Um, this is not my fear. This is a spirit of fear that's trying to neutralize and silence my voice and and our faith, right, then it's Mm -hmm. easier to reject that because then, I don't know, I think you you guys get what I'm saying, but we've just got to simply in faith say, no, we we just absolutely reject fear because fear cripples people, neutralizes them, silences them, and it steals their hope, which robs their future. And that really is what... Uh, The enemy is
0: trying to do Amen And you know I think with Sometimes with our news And with the media and such You know A lot of times they'll repeat The same things over and over again And if you listen And that's all you're listening to It's so easy to be consumed By what's going on And it's so easy to Allow that to um, Usurp the word of God Especially if you're consuming More of the news than you are of the word (laughs) And I mean like you yes. said there's different levels of fear and we have different different types of fear in our life but that is definitely um one and I I think for me personally I I don't I don't have a t- television in my home um I watch mm-hmm. TV but I I basically will you know like purchase a show or whatever it may be and I purposely don't watch news um unless I want to just go online and find what's happening at, um for that purpose because i know for myself how much it it affects me i know that i can find out at any time what's going on and if i do generally you know if it's an emergency it's through social media but yeah. um you know i think that kind of managing some of that is important in our lives you know not that you're not unwi- you know you're not being unwise and and not allowing yourself to know what's going on but So I want to ask you, too, uh, is that, you know, we're dealing with a whole other issue even in America with ISIS and, you know, um, with that threat. And, I mean, we've had some, you know, terrorism and stuff in the past, but now this is a whole other level. I mean, uh, up here, you know, um, not that far from where I'm at, there was a a person that was beheaded. And, um, you know, you just – it's like a whole other – um era that we've we're dealing with as Christians and you know um and coming to the end times and you know just you know diseases that rise up that we're dealing with now and and the Lord's told us all this is is you know was meant to happen um so but for so some of those people that are just getting overwhelmed and maybe they are having issues with fear and they're having issues with how do I deal with this how am I how do I how do I use wisdom? Like, what do I do? How do I protect my family and and you know um, and and live in peace and not you know be always in fear? But you know because sometimes people wonder if if I don't have fear, is that meaning that I you know ignore it? Like, how do I do that? So I'm wondering if you could kind yeah. of enlighten people how how they can get out of that cycle. Yeah. So, well,
1: number one. Um, there is a scripture in Isaiah that Paul the Apostle quotes Isaiah, and it's in Romans fifteen twelve and 13. And he says, and again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles or the nations, and in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So to answer your question directly, the nations, which would be us, right, where the Gentiles, we put our trust in Jesus, right? Which means that we confide the word trust in, in the Greek. It literally means to confide in and to expect from. So the first thing we do, that, that defines intimacy right there. We confide in him and then we expect from him. So Let's say Adam is struggling with fear. Adam goes to Jesus. Jesus, I am struggling with fear, um, concerning let's say ISIS, because I really don't want to see like my child beheaded, right? Like I mean, come on, like it, it, you know, yeah. it's you know, like so I bring this genuine fear to the Lord, right? And and I say, Lord, just just fill me with faith and fill me with strength and I bring that to him and every time those thoughts and those feelings come up I don't take I don't take those thoughts or those feelings anywhere else. So I don't medicate it with, you know, a beer. I don't medicate it with a joint. I don't medicate it by trying to go to more church services. I don't medicate it by trying to go to more conferences. I don't mm-hmm. medicate it by going shopping. But I I take that feeling, of fear, and I bring it directly to the feet of Jesus, and I say, Jesus, this is what I am feeling. I don't know anywhere else to go with these feelings but to you. So would you deliver me from this fear? And what I find is the more people find Jesus, the more people lose fear. And Mm -hmm. so first of all, we've got to be honest with ourselves about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're perceiving, number one. Number two, we've got to bring any of that and all of that directly to Jesus. When he's our first love, we go to him first. And so we bring that to him. And then we're left with, okay, now we're looking at a a situation that is still here. It's still real. Now, how do we respond in light of everything is still going on, the world is still going haywire, but I've given this fear over, and so now I'm not moving or being led by fear, but I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, and how does the Holy Spirit lead me in this time? The one thing I can say is that we are not ever responsible to lead or to control situations that are out of our control. So we as Americans shouldn't feel bad as if it's our fault that something like this is happening. Um, sometimes people in America and in other countries feel like this guilty feeling because they were born in America and they have the internet and they have a nice car. And it's like, it's not your fault where you were born. So a sense of guilt because like, other people are dying and you're not, let's say. Like, that's that. those are negative and, and, and debilitating feelings that we've got to reject also. But the threat of ISIS, as you mentioned, is a very real and a very severe threat. And to speak to it directly, I think that it's a real serious threat, especially um, because of our southern border, because people – Um, around the area of the southern border look similar to people of Middle Eastern descent, which means they have camouflage. It means that they could go unchecked. And so I think the mistake that America is making as a nation is not securing the southern border. And what we don't understand is that cartels who smuggle millions and millions and millions of dollars of drugs in would easily smuggle in terrorists for 5 or $10 million. I don't know how much they charge, but they would easily smuggle 10 or 20 or 30 uh, really dangerous terrorists in for a few million dollars. I'm I'm almost sure of that. And so to be honest with you, the threat is real. Uh, It's something that can't be ignored. I think what's important for us to understand is what is our role in dealing with the threat. I think that's where it actually like where where the rubber actually begins to meet the road. And so there's several things that we can do about the threat. But before we understand um, what we can do about it, I think we've got to understand just the heart of God in how Jesus appears to people and how he reveals himself. In Acts 9, we see that Jesus to Saul. And he said these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So what Saul was doing to the church, Jesus himself took personally, and Jesus got off his throne, came down to the road of Damascus, and encountered Saul and put him in the process of becoming Paul during that encounter that he had with him. And so this is the sobering reality, Amy, that especially for us in ministry, like there are some people that you and I could not say anything to, and no matter what we say to them, they're not going to change. And that's how Saul of Tarsus was before Jesus showed up. We've got to remember that he saw Stephen being stoned. He saw an open heaven above Stephen. He saw Stephen forgiving people who were killing him. I mean, he had like an a, a incredible witness of what the church is and what Jesus was, how he was shining through the church in that time. Yet that didn't even affect him, didn't change his mind. It took Jesus getting off his throne uh, to help change Paul's mind. And so I think that there has to be a desperate cry in the heart of believers for these people to encounter the Jesus with eyes like burning fire with a sword in his mouth, that we've got to cry out and pray for God to come down and to literally encounter some of these people. Because the truth is, Amy that if some of these people don't get a real visitation from Jesus Christ, there's no hope for them. And Amen. Yeah. Th- I mean, I-, I know that that sounds like crazy and stuff, but it's true because the gospel was forcefully advancing in power in the book of Acts, yet if Jesus didn't show up, there was not a thing anyone could have said to Saul because it was ineffective. Yeah. And so, so that, that, that is awesome to know that God himself is the ultimate confronter, and God himself got off his throne to talk to Saul because he had a plan for him. And I, and I believe that there's people in ISIS who are beheading people today or crushing babies and, and killing people who will one day preach the gospel. And we have got to realize that our primary thing for this situation
0: is that we have got
1: to pray, we have to have a desperate uh cry and a prayer of faith, and just believing that the purposes of God are not over in our generation, and that the whole thing is not coming to an end right now, and there's purposes that God has that have yet to be fulfilled, and so we've got to cry and um, cry out and pray for the salvation um of this of this group, ISIS. So the role of believers would be to pray and to cry out first for the victimizers and also for those who are being victimized. So we would cry out also for, for the safety, for the protection of our brothers and sisters. So we're praying on two levels. The next thing we've got to pray for is for wisdom for our government and other governments, which brings us into Romans 13. So this is the thing. The thing is that, the civil government has a different role in this situation than the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is to pray, to share the gospel, to send aid, to create awareness, to call our politicians, you know, congressmen, senators, and tell them that we we want to continue to help the people of Iraq and Syria. And that, uh, you know, our president needs to put boots on the ground uh, in Iraq because if, um, If ISIS takes Baghdad, Barack Obama will not be remembered well in history. He will go down in history in an unfavorable way, uh, in a a profoundly unfavorable way, because when Bush was done, Baghdad was locked down. And so it it would be really not good for our president and for the world if they were to take over the capital of Iraq, which is Baghdad. So we we don't want that to happen. So we want to... To actually, you know, get involved with with calling congressmen and senators, and letting them know that we support our government's intervention and help for the Iraq for the people of Iraq and Syria. So, moving back into the government issue, civil government. Romans 13 says that Paul the apostle said that civil government has the sword to execute vengeance upon evildoers and to reward those who who do good. So the role of civil government um, is to protect the innocent within its geographical borders. So that means that if people are being killed, innocent people, children, women, the elderly, men, the marginalized, if these people are being killed, The primary role of civil government in that situation is to stop those who are killing innocent people at all costs. So that is something that we've got to understand, and we've got to be okay with that. Jesus, the the scripture says that the Lord is a man of war. The scriptures say in Revelation that in righteousness Jesus makes war. God is not a pacifist, and we've got to understand that when people are hell-bent on killing innocent people, they need to be stopped at all costs, period. It doesn't matter what religion they are. It doesn't matter what country they're from. The the global community, um, NATO, and and all these other entities have got to step in and say, innocent people cannot be killed on our watch, period.
0: So... You know, I think that a lot of people, when it comes to this sort of thing, that it's really easy to kind of separate yourself and say, okay, well, you know, let's just see what the government does. And, you know, every once in a while you might see something on Facebook, oh, you know, sign this um, to um, help support XYZ. Well, you know, signing a petition, you know, you, you never see the results of those. You know, I think that I've I've signed a zillion different petitions saying, oh, yeah, 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 this is what I want. I want to support this. Never got a follow-up, never heard anything about what, you know, the result of that was, rarely have. Um, and I think that, you know, aside from when it comes to vote, um, it's really easy to feel like, you know, from a very tactical perspective, there's not a whole lot you can do. I think that, you know, prayer um as you were saying is is the main thing because, you know, when we're on our knees and we're praying, we're praying for a government and we're praying for people to make the right decisions and have wisdom, um, you know, we definitely we obviously make a huge impact and but, you know, for for some of that, you know, other just practical stuff, you know, writing writing the government and 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 that sort of thing From your perspective, how do you feel that that really has an impact, and how can that have an impact to change things?
1: Well, the way politics run is politics run in a simple way. Their goal is to please people, right? So if they have thousands of people writing to them consistently about something, whether it's email, whether it's phone call, In other words, if thousands of people are consistently communicating the same message, that is a a part of their constituency. And so it is in the best interest of those political, you know, people who are in place of authority to take that seriously because they want to be reelected. So, I mean, it's very practical in the sense of, kind of like the louder you talk, the more you'll be heard. Um, and and maybe people don't like what you're saying, but, you know, if you're in a room and someone starts yelling, that person's going to be heard, like it or not. And so if the body of Christ raises its voice, not in an angry way, not in, not in a belligerent way, but in a way of saying human life is valuable to us and we want to see... The the you know this genocide type scenario in, in Iraq and in Syria with ISIS with killing Christians and even other Muslims too. Um, we want to see this stop, and it's in the best interest of the whole entire world for this to to be put to an end. I mean, it's not just see it's not just in the best interest of the United States. It's in the best interest of Europe. And it's not only in the best interest of Europe, it's in the best interest of Africa. And here's the issue. Now, even, um, I believe it was four, I think four Arab nations conducted airstrikes with the United States. So now you have other Muslim nations bombing terrorists who are radical Islamists because they realize how much of a threat this is to even their own nation, uh, which is historical. Historical. I mean, you, we, we, fifty years ago, you know, it would have been unheard of for a, for a, you know a Muslim nation to fly along U.S. planes and drop bombs on Islamic terrorists. I, I don't know if that would have happened. So I see that as a really positive thing, which lets me know that. The people of the Middle East, you know, are tired of unnecessary war. They're tired of terrorism. They're absolutely sick of it. Amy, they're like, I mean, we, we you know, the media lies to us, and it, and it, and it jams fear down our throat so much that we, we just think of that part of the world, and we think, like, everyone is over there with bombs. It's the furthest thing from the truth. And that's what the enemy tries to project, fear to us, so we don't ever share the gospel with with, uh, Muslims or with uh, people, you know, of Arab descent. And, you know, that's as as much from the truth as as anything. Those people, especially the younger people, are really sick and tired of it. I mean, that's why you see uh, in Egypt the government was overthrown. They didn't want the Muslim Brotherhood there. They don't. They don't want that extreme type of leadership. They're, they're tired of it. They know it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable. They don't want to go back to the, the ninth century or whatever it is. They, they 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 want to have a new iPhone six. You know. They, they don't want to live in the tenth century. You know. Yeah. So. So I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was going to say is so going. You know, really going forward. Um, as far as you know, what do you think that those are the people that are listening, and you know, um, how can they how can they make a difference, and you know, just with with some of the stuff that's happening, and I mean, ISIS is one issue that that you know it's it's a very big thing, it's a very you know big threat even in in where we're at. I mean, I I live in Dallas, and you know, I've heard just you know even pastors just be like you know. Um, just really believe that ISIS is already here, and you know, just be prepared and all this kind of thing. So, um, you know, just going forward from a practical pers- perspective, um, you know, the what would you say? I mean, should people write the president? Should you know sh- what? Sh- what should they be doing?
1: There's five things that I would say. Number one, pray. First. Before you deal with anything, you got to deal with your own thoughts of fear, your own worry. You got to deal with that. So pray, get get your stuff off your sh- off your shoulders, you know. And then not only that, but pray for the, those in leadership, and and pray for the innocent, and then pray for those who are victimizing the innocent. So so number one would be pray. Number two, I would say give. I would say give because. There are organizations that are on the ground in these places like World Vision, like Operation Blessing. Those are uh, organizations that I personally feel comfortable giving to. I mean, um, so I would give. The third thing I would say is share this kind of stuff on social media and make people who are not aware of the crisis aware because you'd be surprised. There are people who are not aware and there are people who are just kind of you know, into their own life and not really all that concerned about the news. And so there's probably a lot of people who don't know as much as we think that they might know. Um, so I would say definitely creating awareness on social media. I think that's a great, great thing that um, that is important to do because we have the freedom of speech in that area. And I think it's just wise to, to maximize every area that we can speak the truth into. People's hearts and into people's lives, and uh four I would say write emails, write hard letters, and call your senators and congressmen email um, email our government email email the White House, write letters to the white House and the fifth one I would share I would say it's probably equally as important as the first one is share the gospel with Muslims here. One of the things that we've got to realize is that in America, Muslims are in no way the minor, the, in no way the majority, In not even in the slightest, they are not the majority. We we want we you know they want you to think that they're they're everywhere, and in reality, they are a lot of places, but they are no way the majority. They're actually the minority, and when they're the minority that gives us the opportunity to reach out to them and to love on them and to share the gospel with them because generally minorities feel as if they're forgotten about, looked down at, pushed to the side, uh, marginalized. And in many cases, that's true. And one of the things we've got to also think too, Amy, is that you know, our primary mission is to love people and to share the gospel and, you know, is the great commandment and the great commission. So in loving people and sharing the gospel with them, I mean, that is our privilege and that is our responsibility. And I think that the more we share the gospel, the better off we are. And I think that it's really crucial that we don't let fear shut us down and silence us. And I think that We should take it to the enemy by sharing the gospel with these people and uh, with Muslim people, with with also with people, you know, Hindus, whoever. But specifically because of the ISIS crisis, I think that we should not be afraid to share the gospel with Muslims. I think we can respond in faith, believing that God wants to save them and and that God wishes, desires, and wills that all men will be saved and that all men will come to the knowledge of the truth. And so at least we're giving them an opportunity to come to the knowledge of the truth by sharing it with them. And uh, I think that that is our responsibility in this hour. And so once we we deal with our own struggle of fear or whatever we're going through in our own life, then we're able to then share that gospel of of glorious good news with other people. So
0: those are five I think it's important too for people to to that you know some people don't know what to say when somebody's muslim because it's you know um you know especially if they've been raised christian or whatever it may be and it can be a little bit overwhelming and um I think that um one thing you know even in myself in in talking to um you know people that are um you know muslim um has always been Um, around intimacy with God and really encountering the manifest presence and love of God in a very real, authentic way. And um, I think that um, because, you know, that's something that they haven't necessarily experienced and, you know, um, they're very open to understanding that aspect of God. And then also, you know, just having them study the Quran, um, and what the Quran truly says about Jesus. And, um, and, and, and what, what it says in relation to, you know, even, um, other, other prophets, you know, that, uh,